Hi, I'm Jen White, host of the Morning Shift podcast. Each day we bring you the conversations you need to hear about what's happening in Chicago, all in about 20 minutes. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or tell your smart speaker to play the Morning Shift podcast. It's May 2018, around 7 in the morning, and I'm at the Blue Line stop at Pulaski. That's where I met Lori Lightfoot, her first day on the campaign trail in what was already becoming a bizarre election for Chicago mayor. So do you want to talk to me about why we're standing here? Yeah, we're, um, I thought it was important to come to the West Side in particular um, to remind myself of both the challenges that are abundant, um, but also really the opportunities to, to do better and to take our city in a different direction. Keep in mind, there were already a parade of candidates running, all assuming their biggest competition was Rahm Emanuel. And Lightfoot was new to this retail politics thing, you know, shaking hands at the For L station. Years. And those, those are numbers we haven't seen since like the 1960s. Picture this. She's giving me a wonky stump speech right in front of the turnstile during rush hour. That's one of the things I'm going to be talking about in this campaign. Are we, are we blocking you? Oh, yeah. It feels a little awkward. After all, Lightfoot had never run for public office before. She had just resigned her position as president of the city's police board. So I asked her, how do you think this whole campaign thing is going? We'll, we'll, we'll find, out, we'll find <laughs> out more, right, as, as the day and the weeks uh, unfold. Lori Lightfoot began as a long-shot candidate in a crowded field didn't get invited to all the primetime debates, barely got a mention in the polls. And then, in the February 26th election. So what do you think of us now? She won. First place on election night. People said that I had some good ideas, but that I couldn't win. And it's true that not every day that a little black girl... In a low-income family from a segregated steel town, makes the runoff to be the next mayor of the third largest city in the country. Hi, everyone. This is On Background, the WBEZ Politics Podcast. I'm Claudia Morell. In this episode, who is Lori Lightfoot? As the former federal prosecutor competes against Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle for the city's top job, we wanted to dig beyond the sound bites to help you better understand who these two women are. So I'm going to tell you about three moments that formed the unlikely mayoral frontrunner. Moments where she defined her circumstances and moments where she was defined by them. Number one, the art project. Early on in the campaign, Lightfoot talked about her childhood growing up black and poor in an old steel town south of Cleveland, Ohio. It's the reason she had me meet her at the Pulaski stop in West Garfield Park. One of the reasons I'm running for mayor is because having frankly lived a a life that is very similar to the people that live in this area that are coming in and out of this train station, I know what it means to struggle. I know it firsthand because my family did, leaving paycheck to paycheck trying to figure out which bill you had to pay versus which bill you could pay. Lightfoot talks a lot about her blue-collar childhood on the campaign trail, how her father worked multiple jobs, even on weekends, and how her mother did the same. I spoke with her on the phone this week and asked her to describe one moment before her public life 
that defines her. She tells me a story from kindergarten. This is at a school where she says she and her brother were the only black students. They were doing an art project, a self-portrait with construction paper. Her teacher sets out all of the art supplies, and just as Lightfoot finishes up. Then I realized, and she realized to her horror, that for me, as a black kid, she had given me pink construction paper for my skin color. And so I remember having to, because everything was glued, and I remember having to peel back the, um, the pink and then patch up with brown construction paper. Lightfoot says, of course she knew she was different, but the experience was poignant. That also made me realize that um, you know, it's, it's important for the adults around you to be conscious of, of, of differences. And not, and to be supportive of those differences. And my kindergarten teacher was horrified. Whitefoot has come a long way since then. She reportedly brought in a nearly seven-figure salary as a corporate attorney for a top law firm in Chicago. She and her wife, Amy, raised their child in Logan Square, a rapidly gentrifying neighborhood on the north side. It's this part of her life that her opponent, Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle, uses in attack ads and at debates. How can a corporate lawyer who defended banks, big pharma, and other deep-pocket interests have the backs of the working poor? At a recent WTTW debate, Lightfoot shot back, unapologetic of her success. I should be celebrated, along with other people like me in the city, who are black successes, have succeeded despite the odds in very difficult circumstances. And it is really sad and frankly pathetic that someone would attack a person like me coming from a low-income family. I'm never going to shy away from the hard work and sacrifice that my parents made to put me in a position to be successful. Moment number two, lessons in how government really works. There are actually a couple of lessons here, but bear with me. After Lightfoot goes to the University of Chicago for law school, has a stint at a corporate law firm, she leaves all that to become a federal prosecutor. That experience was really kind of life-changing. It was for me professionally, I really learned how to be a, a, a very effective trial lawyer. It was the 1990s. She handled a lot of drug trafficking and gang cases. But it was also a very busy time for the Northern District of Illinois when it came to combating political corruption. This is Chicago Tonight, broadcast live Wednesday, January 10th, 1996. Good evening, I'm John Calloway and welcome to Chicago Tonight. Operation Silver Shovel hit hard today. The Chicago alderman was indicted and quickly pleaded guilty. Silver Shovel. It was a controversial investigation. The FBI used an informant named John Christopher, a mob-connected construction contractor with a history of illegal dumping, who secretly recorded himself bribing public officials. Eighteen convictions came out of that probe, including six aldermen. Some of the aldermen who have admitted having contact with Christopher include 17th Ward Alderman Alan Streeter, 15th Ward Alderman Virgil Jones, Lightfoot didn't mention that case when I spoke with her, but she won the conviction of one of those aldermen, Virgil Jones. Reflecting on her time with the feds, she told me it gave her a close-up view of the power and influence of the criminal justice system. And really recognizing, particularly in the federal system, how much incredible discretion you have about what you investigate, 
who you investigate, what you charge, who you decide to let go, um, and how you affect really their whole life. Then one day, she got a call out of the blue from an old friend who had a job for her at City Hall. It was 2002, and Mayor Richard M. Daly's police superintendent wanted Lightfoot to oversee the city's agency that investigates allegations of police misconduct. And I just felt like this would be an, an amazing experience um, and really gave me the opportunity to be a real leader, and I relished the opportunity. It was Lightfoot's first job in police oversight, a line of work that's proved to be a double-edged sword during her career and this election. But at the time, it helped Lightfoot develop a reputation as a fixer at City Hall. A couple years later, she was tapped to clean up the city's contracting department after a big hiring scandal. So as a federal prosecutor, Lightfoot got an education in the power of the federal court system. As a city official working for the mayor, she got an education in how to navigate red tape and clout. But it's way too complicated. It's way too Byzantine. Um, and there, there aren't, people are not sharing in resources and investments and contracts. And that's something that's got to change. Moment number three. Laquan. And new overnight, Chicago police officer shot and killed a 17-year-old after a foot chase near 41st and Pulaski. Happened shortly before 10 p.m. You've probably seen the video or heard the story of what happened that October night in 2014. Laquan McDonald gets shot 16 times by police officer Jason Van Dyke. McDonald was black. Van Dyke is white. When a judge forced the city to release the video of the shooting a year later, right before the Thanksgiving holiday, the backlash was swift. If you do not take control of your police, they will mow you down next. Protests snarled traffic downtown on the busiest shopping day of the year, Black Friday. We love freedom, freedom, all these racist-ass cops, we don't need them, need them. It wasn't just a pivotal moment for Chicago, it put Lightfoot in the spotlight. How you doing? At City Hall, Mayor Rahm Emanuel was in full damage control mode. He fired his police superintendent, and this very same day... He put Lightfoot in charge of figuring out what went wrong and how to fix it. Today, I'm announcing that I've asked five respected Chicagoans who are leaders in the criminal justice system to do a top-to-bottom review of the system of oversight and accountability that is currently in place for Chicago's police officers. Lightfoot had just returned to City Hall that summer to take a position as the head of the police board, a discipline review board for Chicago police officers. Now... She was in charge of the task force leading Chicago's police reform efforts and the hunt for a new police superintendent. This gave Lightfoot a front row seat to just how angry and frustrated people were after the McDonald scandal at neighborhood forums around the city. At one event in a high school auditorium in Rogers Park, protesters took over the meeting. They stormed the stage, and Lightfoot and the rest of the task force members had to be escorted out of the room by police. All while the principal pleaded for calm. Please, please, please. This is our school. Please, will you respect our school, please? 
For better or for worse, Lightfoot was at the center of the police reform fight, and her task force released its findings about two months later. It was a scathing review that indicated significant racial bias in how the city polices. I think this time is different, and it will be different if we pick up the mantle and if we move forward in a, 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 an uncompromising way and demand that the political stakeholders in this town, the civic leaders in this town, understand that there has to be a new day. The report cast a shadow over City Hall, putting pressure on the mayor and the city council to do something. But Lightfoot would only be frustrated. Emanuel ignored her finalists for a new police superintendent and left out many of her recommendations in his reform plan. In the summer of 2016, after feeling like little progress had been made, Lightfoot created her own police reform advocacy group to apply pressure at City Hall. The move prompted one powerful alderman to say she could go straight to hell. Fast forward to 2018. Lightfoot joins a group of aldermen and community organizations at City Hall. With the citywide election looming, they tried to drum up support for a final piece of reform legislation that had been stuck in limbo. She warned, inaction would come at a price. Any effort to stall it and not let it see the light of day, not engage in the city council process, I think will be met with extreme, extreme uh, hostility, and it will be taken out on them in February of 19. Let's have a conversation. A couple months later, Lightfoot resigned as head of the police board. A few days after that, she got up early on a Thursday morning, drove to the Pulaski Blue Line stop, and started shaking hands. That's all for today. This episode was reported by me, Claudia Morell, and edited by Al Keith. Our producer is James Edwards. If you haven't already, please check out our episode on Lightfoot's opponent, Tony Preckwinkle. It should be the one right before this one in your feed. We'll be live on election night, April 2nd. That's next Tuesday. Tune in to 91.5 FM or listen on the live stream at WBEZ.org. Please rate and review or subscribe and download the On Background podcast in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow all of WBEZ's political coverage at WBEZ.org slash politics on Twitter and always on air at 91.5 FM. Let's be honest, there's too much news to catch up on, especially after a long day at work. But WBEZ Chicago has your back. Our new daily newsletter, The Rundown, will keep you informed with the five biggest local, national, and international stories. Delivered right to your inbox. Subscribe for free by texting RUNDOWN to 30644.